Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Now, one of the most pressing issues in church ministry today is dealing with mental health challenges in our churches and in communities. Mental health challenges. This is a very personal issue for me. Now, I won't be able to give you some detail because I want to preserve the confidentiality of medical concerns for different people, but I want you to know that our family has dealt with mental illness in our family for about the last 30 years. Uh, we have had a person and now actually two people in our family uh, that have had some serious mental health struggles, so much so that they require uh, care and uh, supervision and really intervention to help them to have a manageable lifestyle that's not uh, destructive and harmful. And so when I talk about mental health issues and mental health ministry and mental health challenges, this is more than just a podcast for me about what we might do or what could be done. This is uh, really a testimonial, if you will, and a little bit of a plea that churches uh, take this ministry opportunity seriously. I know, for example, the pain of dealing with a mentally ill person and seeing them uh, be thrust into the law enforcement community and have to be uh, handled through social service agencies. I know the challenges of trying to find medical care and seeking out different levels of medical care for them. Uh, we've had to deal with the housing challenges and the transportation issues and navigating all of the vagaries of Social Security and disability and all that goes with that. So I'm just trying to enforce or reinforce uh, in your mind as we begin this podcast that for a lot of people, including me, this issue of mental health and mental illness and ministry in this context is not just some theoretical, it might be a good idea, but is instead very, very personal. So uh, as we think about doing mental health ministry and ministering to the mentally ill, it struck me that a recent survey of pastors showed that about 54% of pastors report today that they have someone in their church or ministry context who's either suffering from clinical depression, is bipolar, or has schizophrenia. One of those three. 54% of pastors say that someone in their church or their immediate ministry community has one of those three identifiable mental illnesses. Now, when you add in so many other kinds of mental health struggles, that number would skyrocket far beyond the 54%. But even at 54%, it tells us how prevalent this problem really is. Now, the same survey that uh, discovered that information also asked pastors, what are the things that you're doing to provide a mental health ministry or mental health training or ministry to the mentally ill in your church or your community, and they identified about seven things. Now, 
not everyone was doing all seven, and certainly some were doing a lot more of these than others were doing. We get that. But nevertheless, there's at least seven of these aspects of ministry that I think a church could give some attention to, and that today I want to challenge you on the podcast to think about doing in your ministry context. The first and most common way that churches minister to the mentally ill or to people with mental health challenges is to maintain a list of experts to whom they can refer people. Now, these experts might be uh, physicians, social workers, advocates, or others in your community who have specialized expertise in helping in these areas. Now, I know that there is some concern, and it is a rightly placed concern, about using secular resources to minister in these contexts, particularly in caring for mentally ill or people who are having mental health challenges. Well, while I share some of that concern, a lot of what's going on in the mental health community is really medically rooted or medically based. And so just like you would not have any problem sending someone to a physician who might not share all your values in order to get the best cancer treatment or the best diabetes treatment or the best renal treatment, so I think you should have comfort involving people who may not share all of your values in dealing with a person, particularly a person's medical aspects of what might be causing or might be aggravating their mental illness. And so while I understand there are some concerns, I still want to advocate that you find experts in your community, hopefully who share your values, but you find experts in your community in the medical field, law enforcement field, social work field, victim advocate field, or uh, uh, patient ad- advocate field, field uh, that you find these people and that you network with them so that they might be a resource for you for referral to help people who have struggles with mental illness or mental health. Now, not only can you create a list of these experts that you can refer uh, people to in times of need, you can also call on these experts to do ministry in your church, or you can at least make your church facility available for them to offer services in your community. Uh, Here's uh, at least a couple of ways that I'm seeing that done. Uh, One way is for a church to open their facility about twice a year for a Saturday mental health fair. Now, what this particular church does is they network with their local community resources, the ones I've just been describing to you, medical, uh, social work, uh, uh, patient advocacy, uh, people like this, uh, even social security consultants or disability consultants, those kind of people. This church has networked with those social service agencies in their community. Uh, Twice a year, they have a mental health fair or a mental health ministry fair at their church building. And they simply open up part of their facility and allow these groups to come in and set up booths. And then church members can come and spend maybe an hour, whatever, uh, browsing through the booths, talking to different people, picking up brochures, getting the website information, uh, getting contact information, and finding the kind of helpful resources that are available in a community uh, made accessible to them by being offered 
right there in their church on that basis. Now, that's one way that I've seen a, a local church here in our area access the mental health community of support and resources and make it known in their church what's available in their community. Now, another way I've seen this done is for a church to invite different people from this same community to come to church events to present in usually uh, small segments of presentation, like maybe giving them 10 minutes or 15 minutes to present uh, at a women's meeting or a men's ministry meeting or a senior adult event or something like that, where they have the opportunity to come and say, here are community resources available to you in this area or that area related to mental health or mental health ministries or mental illness and mental illness issues. Here are resources available to you that I can offer in our community, and this person that you invite to speak shares those resources. Now, these are just some ways to access this first way that churches report that they're trying to provide ministry uh, to people who are mentally ill or who struggle with mental health issues, and that is by using outside experts. And I've given you three ways to do that. Develop a referral list and use that referral list. Create a fair that happens once or twice a year where these people come to your church building and provide maybe a three-hour set of open dialogue and resource uh, opportunity. And then finally, invite some of these outside experts to come to your church to speak at places where they could really intersect with people who are struggling with or who are caring for people in this capacity with mental illness or mental health issues. And that means you could invite them, as I said, to a men's group, a women's group, a senior group, something like that. So the first strategy I want to advocate for today is using outside experts. And I do acknowledge that you have to be somewhat careful about this and you want to vet the people so that they share your values and you can have confidence in them. But please, please, please take advantage of the community resources that are available to you. And especially as it relates to mental health issues that are medically rooted, I hope that you will take advantage of those uh, aspects. A second way that you can offer ministry in this area, and a second way that churches are doing this, is to provide or to have a plan for supporting families of those with a mental illness. Now, this can take various forms of providing counseling for families, providing resources to assist with obtaining counseling, perhaps creating a a support group within a congregation if there are enough families that are struggling with this particular issue, or going back to that first idea that I had about experts, even guiding and networking uh, individual families in your church with families in other churches or in your community who are struggling with people who have the same issues that they might find that sort of support they need in those contexts. And I'll just give you a couple of examples of this. I, I had... Um, as I said, our family has been through some rocky times with caring for mentally ill family members. And quite frankly, sometimes outsiders just don't understand, and not to demean the police because they do a good job in so many different areas, but we had some very negative experiences with police officers who were uh, upset that we weren't doing more to help our mentally ill fa family member. And so it was so refreshing when I would meet someone who understood what we were going through who'd been there, who knew the pain, the difficulty, the upheaval, who was able to share that and to allow us to debrief those feelings that we were having with them. 
And so finding a way to create that kind of support network for families is very essential. And then, of course, you can also do, do even more direct ministry to families with counseling and services provided to them, as I have described. I think of another example of this. I had a friend who had a, um, uh, a child that had some pretty serious physical health issues, and, and they were, uh, the child had a deteriorating condition. They were told at birth the child would probably live into her teens. Uh, by the time I knew the family, she was already in her teens. Uh, she was already declining. Uh, so this family was struggling with depression and grief and just the mental drain and the mental health challenges that come with this prolonged, grievous, dying process. It was a really tough situation. And then, and then that family was able to get networked with some other families who had similar situations. And just the commonality and sharing of that experience was a sustaining part of what got this family through the worst of the grievous time they had to live through with their daughter. I saw how ministry to families by simply connecting this family to other families that were going through similar situations made such a profound difference. So first thing you can do in ministering to people with mental illness or with mental health challenges is to, of course, make uh, accessibility to outside experts available. The second thing is to extend ministry not only to the person who's afflicted, but also to their family, to their support network, to the people around them. A third thing you can offer is training for people in your church who are dealing with people who are struggling with mental illness. You know, one of the things that made it so difficult for our family in the early years was we had no idea what we were doing. We had never had a class on dealing with someone who was mentally ill or been to a seminar on that or even knew there were books or brochures or videos that were on this subject. We didn't know any of that. We were flailing along in the dark just trying to fumble our way through. It was painful and difficult. But now we know that training is available for people to deal with others who are going through mental illness. There's videos and books and brochures and websites. Uh, there's conferences and seminars and other kinds of information available. And a good church makes that information available to people who are struggling with dealing with mentally ill and mental health people. Now, training is so vital because once you start learning about something, it sort of defangs it, if you will. It, it takes some of the mystery out of it and some of the intimidation out of it. And so training in this particular area can be very important. A fourth thing a church can do is to itself provide programs that assist with mental health issues and with uh, mental illness issues. Now let me give you two or three examples of this. Uh, these might not be considered mental health issues in every context, but recovery programs like Celebrate Recovery and even Alcoholics Anonymous uh, done in a Christian context, it, it, even those kinds of programs are what I'm talking about today. So that as a church, you set out to have a program of support for people who are dealing with emotional uh, issues, mental health issues, mental illness issues. And these can range from mental illness issues like schizophrenia and bipolar and other kinds of things, all the way to mental uh, health issues like uh, addiction and things like that. 
So, for example, I'm acquainted with a church here in our area. It's not a large church. It just has about, uh, you know, 100 or so people coming on a Sunday. But they've been very aggressive about becoming the center for addiction recovery in their community. And they now have, get this, six to 700 people a week that come through their building attending a support group to deal with addiction and all of the issues that go along with breaking addictions, particularly to alcohol or to other, some other kind of drug. Now, this kind of mental health challenge of breaking addiction is this church's specialty. And as I said, they've worked hard over the years at becoming the place in their community where people go to for this kind of help. And so as a result of that, a lot of what I've already said is already in place. They have experts that they access and that they bring into their programs and that they allow to set up shop, if you will, from time to time in their facility. And they have ongoing ministry to the families of people who are involved in these programs and projects to give them the support they need as they deal with their, mental, their, their mentally ill or their mentally health challenged person. And they're off, they've offered training, training to their own members to help them learn how to offer ministry to all of these people who are coming through their building on such a regular basis. And then they're offering these programs like Celebrate Recovery and other recovery-style programs to help them deal uh, with the issues at hand. Uh, you know, these programs uh, are so needed today, and yet uh, they're hard to do. They can be messy sometimes, and churches have to really make a commitment a commitment to, 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 to accomplishing this kind of work, but it's possible that you can really tap into a huge number of people in your community who need this kind of help. Now, besides these programs like I've been describing, another way to approach this use of community programs or offering programs, not an ongoing one like Celebrate Recovery, but you could instead do topical seminars or um, topical presentations on things like depression or anxiety or other particular mental health issues are mental health challenges. Uh, these could also be closely tied into um, uh, events, perhaps, that have happened in your community or things that are going on in our world and trends of recovery, for example, that are going on that need to take place. I think about coming out of the pandemic and the sense of isolation and some sense of depression and other things like anxiety that people have been dealing with, that's the kind of targeted kind of seminar or kind of programmed approach to dealing with people in a group that I'm referring to. So we've talked about using experts, building networks to support families, training people in church to recognize and minister to these needs, creating programs or managing programs to get them done. Now let's move on to number five. A fifth thing that churches are doing today to help deal with people who have mental health issues or mental illness is to train leaders to recognize these problems and to help people get what they need. You know, sometimes uh, we mistake mental health challenges or mental illness for something else. I know that there was a time in life when I heard some people say, well, these aren't even real. These are just people with delusions, and they just need to straighten up and start thinking right. Well, that's not true. And other times I've heard people say, well, this is just spiritual rebellion. This is just people who are who are just refusing to deal with reality and to face up to their, their, their sin or their shortcomings and do what's right. Well, 
maybe some of that, but not, that's not all of it. Uh, some people say, well, this is demon possession. Well, it's not demon possession. And some others say, well, it's just, it's just weak people who just need to get stronger and just bear up and just do what's right. Well, you know, that's really kind of a hard-hearted, kind of a calloused way of approaching these kind of situations. So better than all of those approaches is an approach that says we're going to train our leaders. We're going to have our elders and deacons and people who provide uh, counsel in worship services and even people like ushers and people who interface with people who come onto our property. We're going to provide some basic training to them so that they can recognize when a person is really struggling with either a mental health or a mental illness issue and that they can not be physicians or social workers or counselors, but they can be triage diagnosticians where they can say, you, you seem troubled or you seem like uh, you're depressed or you, you seem like something's really bothering you. And let me see if I can help you. And just in that training of helping people know how to recognize some of these issues, we then also train them how to move people into one of these categories of help that I've already been describing on the podcast today. Now, again, I'm not saying that every church leader has to be an expert in the field. I am saying, though, that with some basic training, we can help people to recognize what's going on and then direct people toward the kind of ministry that they really need. You know, when someone is depressed, it doesn't do, you any, do them any good for you to tell them they need to be stronger and make better decisions. When someone has a medically induced uh, problem that's leading them to behave in inappropriate ways, telling them to straighten up and stop sinning isn't going to fix anything until they get that medic, underlying medical issue resolved. I think about one of these that happened to me. You know, about uh, 30 years ago, I had cancer. And ever since then, I've been taking a thyroid pill every day uh, to replace my uh, thyroid function and to keep me going. Now, early on in my treatments, I went through a period of what we thought was depression. I was lethargic. I had lost interest in work. I didn't really want to do anything except just, uh, you know, sit and sort of blindly stare at the television. And, and I didn't realize really how bad I had gotten, but my wife did. So we went to the doctor, and he said, she, she told him sort of what I was like, and I told him, yeah, it's all true. I, I don't really have any interest in work, and I'm not even, even able to follow anything really on TV, and I, I don't really have much energy. And he said, okay. He said, well, let's, let's try something. He said, uh, let, let's take a blood test and take a look at something. And they did. And my thyroid uh, levels were really low. And he said, ah, let's, let's raise these and see what happens. Well, he gave me some additional medications. And literally within just a couple of days, my entire outlook on life had changed. <laughs> my depression was gone. I was interested in work again. I, I was able to uh, to engage in conversation and to laugh and to, to, to be back to my old self. And the problem was not that I was having a mental health issue or even a mental illness issue. The problem was I had a medical issue with an underlying condition that just needed some help to get, my, get me fixed physically so that these mental issues then resolve themselves. All I'm simply saying is that we have to train people to recognize that there's a lot of complex stuff going on. 
And rather than just give a simplistic, overly spiritualized answer to someone that we think is struggling with one of these areas, we need to train leaders to say, hey, we need to see if we can get you the right kind of help, maybe some medical help, some social work help, some patient advocacy help, some support group help, some counseling help. We need to find the right solution to your problem, and a bit of training helps people recognize how they can do that. Okay, the uh, next thing, number six, that I want to give you on the list that a church can do uh, to really help people is kind of a combination of a couple of things I've already said, but and that is really join uh, the community in working together to get this done. Now, I know I've already talked about uh, bringing in experts and then sending people to experts. I, I get all that. But I think what I'm really trying to say here is that the church itself becomes a player, if you will, in the local community on these issues. So that you go to your police department, you go to your hospital, you go to your counseling center, and you say, our church wants to be a help in ministering to people with mental illness and mental health issues or challenges. We want to be a player, a partner, a community resource. And we have these resources available. We have these support groups. We have these classes. We have these opportunities. But beyond that, we have a caring and nurturing a community of people who can help you in the community with people who are struggling in these areas. So, for example, uh, going to your community uh, organizations and community resources and saying, when you have a family that's struggling, uh, tell them about us or tell us about them, and we'll reach out and try to help them to find the strength they need to carry on. Uh, when you have a need that we can meet as a church, don't hesitate to call on us to help get it done. You know, I recently talked with a pastor in our area who is uh, really well-connected in our community, and what really struck me was uh, how he called on community leaders in a particular event. Uh, it was a kind of a crisis event in our community, and he called on community leaders, and they came to our church and participated in a panel discussion about some of the turmoil that was going on in our community and talked to our church about how we could be agents of peace and how we could be helpful in for solutions and uh, what we could do to accomplish proactive change. And it was a very health, healthy dialogue. I later asked the pastor, how did you get those community leaders to come to our church on such short notice to talk about such a difficult and controversial issue? And he said, well, it's because when things aren't difficult or controversial, once or twice a year I go by each of their offices and I say, how can our church help you? We're part of this community. How can we help you? And he said almost every year they'll say something that we can do and we try to do it. And because we've been doing that now for about a decade, we've developed a reputation as being a part of the community. Not just a drain on the community, but a part of the community not just a group that's trying to access community services, but a group that wants to be a service in community. And not just a church that does things only for itself and for its members, but a church that says, we're here for the community. How can we help? How can we help? If you have a police officer who finds someone who's really struggling with addiction and says they want help, how can we help as a church that you refer that person to our Celebrate Recovery program and we become part of the solutions in this situation? Or you find a medical doctor who says, in our hospital, 
we're dealing with families. And when they bring us a mentally ill person, we're trying to help the patient, but we realize the family has some real needs. And your church perhaps has a ministry to families with mental ill members or families struggling with mental health issues. The community then calls on your church. Now, don't think of this as a quick fix. You're going to have to build a lot of credibility before you get to this one. But start now. Start now. So then two, three, five years, you'll have that kind of credibility to be seen as a community resource and a part of the community of resources available to people with these needs. And then the last thing that you can do uh, as a church, and it may be the hardest for many of you because you're in smaller churches, but if you're in a church that's large enough, start a counseling center so that you actually have someone on staff who's uh, who is a paid professional who understands how to help people with mental health struggles and how to diagnose and deal with mentally ill people and to really be the point person for getting them the kind of help they need. Now, I, I recognize that uh, not many of you are going to be in churches large enough to do this, but some of you are. And I challenge you to think about how you might either start a counseling center or band together with several churches to start one or do it as a local associational project of a group of Baptist churches or something like that. Well, today I started the podcast by saying that uh, mental health challenges are really prevalent in churches today and dealing with mentally ill people is an ever-present challenge for those of us in ministry leadership. It's personal with me. Our family has been down this road now for about 30 years with one and, and now two people who are dealing with these issues. So I've watched up close what it's like to go through this process and learn how to do ministry and learn how to navigate these systems and learn how to get people the help they need and then also to structure ministry through a church to help meet these needs. Today, mental health challenges are more significant than ever before and mental illness a more difficult and prevalent problem than at any other time in the history of our country. And so I'm challenging you today as a church leader, think about how you can be more intentionally engaged in ministry in this area. Think about these seven steps I've given you today. You won't be able to do all of them, but you can choose some of them. Low impact, low cost, but high, high value that you can offer to people who are hurting in this way. Take advantage of these opportunities, put them into practice as you leave.